I want to thank everyone that's been praying for my family. A lot of you knew we, uh, my father-in-law had colon cancer surgery. We were trying to finish a garage apartment for him, and then we married my daughter yesterday. That all has been like the last few weeks of her life all at once, this kind of jumble of craziness. So thank you for your prayers and your support. Um, we, we came from a ch- church of 3,000 people in Temple, and we've got, you know, six or 700 of you here. So we're sorry that you were not able to be at the party yesterday. We couldn't have everybody there, but thank you for celebrating with us from a distance. We're so thankful for you and for your celebration with us as we uh, kick our first one out of the house. So got rid of one, now she's married off. So very thankful. She married a godly guy, and we're very thankful for that. We're, we trust, you know, it's a really beautiful thing. It's, it's scary when you hand your daughter off to someone, uh, but it's, it's very peaceful when you're handing your daughter off to a godly man that loves the Lord. So thankful for that and thankful for her family that, that, or his family that taught him to love the Lord as well. We have a business update real quick to kind of update you on where things are financially for the church. We set a budget based on uh, how our giving has been in the past and the needs of the ministries here locally. And we print that information for you in the back of the bulletin. So number one, I want to thank you for your generosity. A lot of you who call Grace Bible Church home, you have been giving financially and giving of your time to help us to accomplish the mission that God has called us to in the city. We thank you for that, and we let you know what's needed by listing that in the bulletin, the back of this paper program. Um, I want to say, number one, we uh, we got more than we had budgeted for September, so thank you for that. Y'all were extra generous in September. Give yourselves a hand for that extra generosity. That was kind of a light, weak hand you gave yourselves there. (laughs) Clap for the other person next to you. How about that? Thank you. Okay. Um, but we, we're a little low for the year, so what we do um, to, to handle that is when not as much money comes in as we budgeted, we spend less money to make sure we're not going into the hole, right? Um, but just want to remind you that if you're able to give, ask you to give, and just want to clarify this, there are a lot of churches in town that grab your arm and twist it and say that if you give more, you will be blessed more. And I want to clarify, we do believe there's a genuine blessing in giving, but we believe strongly that you shouldn't give unless you are absolutely convinced that the God of the universe has given to you in Jesus. And so if you believe that, that God has given to you in Jesus, then we want to encourage you then to show that and how you live your life financially, with your time, um, with your emotions, the talents that God's given you. So I encourage you to partner with us as you are able And as Jesus has been generous to you, for those of you that are visiting, they're just kind of investigating who Jesus is, this is not for you, right? Come, sit, listen, learn. We'd love to talk to you more about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. So that's where the financial uh, information is. You can help us out with that. We're now going to spend some time looking at the Bible together. We're in a series through Ecclesiastes. So if you have a Bible, open it up. It's right in the middle of your Bibles. Uh, Right after Psalms and Proverbs, you'll find Ecclesiastes. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got some under the chairs Uh, If you don't have a Bible at home, you can take that home. We'd love for you to keep one. We've got extra boxes in the closet. We can restack um, out here in the chairs. Uh, But we'll be on page 555 in the black Bible there. Um, I've been reading through Ecclesiastes out of a different translation, so that's confused some of you. I'm reading a different one than the the Pew Bible is. Um, But part of what I'm trying to do is trying to press you, because Ecclesiastes is a very difficult book. Um, And so I just kind of want to press you to think about the word choices that he's using there. Um, so I know it is a little difficult, but, but pressing you to be more of a serious student of the word here. So sometimes there's word variations that kind of makes you think about the translator's choices and trying to get under the surface there and think about wh- what's being said there originally in the Hebrew. Encourage you to, to read it in different translations as you are able. Um, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we've seen the theme 
that life is vanity. This translation I'm reading says futility. Um, another translation says meaningless. And that Hebrew word is chavel, which can be translated as like mist or vapor. And the idea is not so much that life is terrible, it's just that life is not something you can hold on to. It's over in a minute. And the older we get, the more we realize that's true, that life is just over in a blink. And he says often that it's like grasping after the wind. And so when we try to fulfill ourselves and our lives through everyday, ordinary means, it's like grasping, it's like holding on to wind. What he's doing is he's showing us our need for God. He's helping us work our way to the reality that nothing in this world can satisfy us under the sun, under heaven, apart from God, and we need God himself to break in and make life meaningful. This week, he's actually now specifically talking about approaching God in worship, so we're calling it approaching God, and he uses the phrase, guard your steps, or watch your steps as you go to the house of God. And so I want you to think about that. Do you prepare yourself for approaching God? How do you think about what it means to approach God, whether it be in gathered worship or even in your own heart? When I was in high school, we had a high school that was two stories, and usually we had half of our classes upstairs and half of our classes downstairs. And so we were always walking up and down the stairs. And you kind of expect that you need to be careful when you're going downstairs, right? There's just this, you know, gravity pulls you down. So you're more careful going downstairs. But we would always laugh because half of the time we'd be in a hurry and we've got books in our hands and we would trip walking up the stairs. Have you ever, has that ever happened to you where you trip walking up the stairs? Well, when the Israelites would approach God in his house, the temple that Solomon built, which is talked about in 1 Kings chapter 8, they, they would actually go up this great height. So there's a physical aspect here. Watch your steps as you're climbing the plateau to go and meet God. But really what he's pointing to is, is a spiritual reality. Watch your heart as you're moving towards God. How, how do you approach him? How, how do you see him? So, so let's read the text. It says, chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Guard your steps or watch your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Do not be hasty or rash to speak. Do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Just as dreams accompany much labor, so also a fool's voice comes with many words. When you make a vow to God, don't delay fulfilling it because he does not delight in fools. Fulfill what you vow. Better that you do not vow than that you vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth bring guilt on you and do not say in the presence of the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? For many dreams bring futility, so do many words. Therefore, fear God. He ends this section, the same place that the whole book ends. Therefore, fear God. Have a sense of awe for God. Reverence God. Fear is a little difficult for us in our um, modern world because we have kind of a different worldview than them and language has changed a little bit. But fearing God is this idea of seeing God as more incredible than anything else. Do you see God as more amazing, more sovereign, more holy, more awesome than anything else in this world? Or are you fearing other things more than him? Are you respecting other things 
more than him. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll try to move through it in order. God, we, we thank you that you invite us to your word. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. We believe that we can hear from you here, and so we pray that you would open our minds, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, apply your word in our hearts so that we would uh, be hearers and doers of what you say. God, I pray especially that you would give us open minds to what you want to do in us and through us, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this idea of approaching God and um, watching our steps as we come towards God and towards worship in Him, I just kind of want to clarify one thing. It's talking about the house of God, and would encourage you to go back and do extra homework this week if you have time to look at 1 Kings chapter 8, because that's where Solomon talks about the whole purpose of God's house. What is God's house for? God's house primarily is about humility and repentance. It's about people coming before God because we're needy. And so that's kind of the backdrop of what he's talking about here. So it's good to go back and, and read that during the week to see that backdrop of what is, what is God's house, what is the temple that Solomon built all about. And it's also good to recognize that in the New Testament, this side of Jesus, Jesus transitioned us from that temple that was destroyed, a physical building where God's people gathered to worship Jesus, we're now in transition to a people who worship Jesus, sometimes in a physical building, sometimes not, right? So there's a lot of similarities. We're, we're the people of God. We worship the God of redemption and salvation. We have more details now on this side of things in Christ, but there's a lot of similarities here. We're, we're still people who gather and approach God in worship, uh, gather in places together, say, God, we want to hear from you. We want to learn from you. As we move through the text, he, he kind of layers what he's going to say, so I'm going to try to do it in order, um, but he's going to talk somewhat circularly, right? Um, which if you all know me, that's normally how I talk a lot of times. So this is really confusing. He's being circular, and I'm trying to be linear, which is not my gift. So just pray for me that we can move through this in a somewhat linear fashion. But the first thing we're going to look at is that we should approach God with listening. We should be listeners. Second thing is that we should be responsive. We should be doers, responsive. And then finally, that we should approach with honesty. So first, we should approach with listening. So again, verse 1 says, guard or watch your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience or listening than to offer the sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. So better to approach with obedience or listening. Why does it say obedience in my translation, but it says listening in other translations? Did you all notice that? Did you pick up on that? It's because in Hebrew... And in Greek, listening and obedience are the same word. Did y'all know that? But that's not how it works in our culture, right? Like in our culture, you can listen and completely ignore what you've just listened to, right? Now, if you have kids, if you're a parent, you start slipping into the Hebrew or Greek mindset and say, did you hear me, right? Your words carry authority. So it's an interesting thing. We're an anti-authority culture, and so we fragment that. We separate that, listening and obeying, two totally different things. But in the Hebrew mindset and in the, the Greek language, that's, it's the same word. It's the same word. So there, there's something for us to pay attention to just in the translation there. Do you approach with listening? Do you approach with obedience? Are you coming to God wanting to learn from him, wanting to pay attention to what he has to say to you? He says in verse 2, Kind of clarifying it, getting, getting down to the nitty-gritty here. Don't be hasty or rash to speak, and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. 
God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. This reminds us of the parable in Luke, and I'm blanking now. I don't know if I wrote it in my notes. Luke 18 or Luke 17. Someone maybe could throw that out, but it's the, the uh, Pharisee who goes to the temple, and he's like, thank you, God. He's given this great speech in his prayer. Thank you, God, that I'm not like all the bad people. Thank you, God, that I'm so awesome and so wonderful. And then there's this tax collector, Jesus says, that goes and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, you know who went home justified? You know who went home righteous? The sinner that knows he's a sinner, not the guy who's making speeches and saying, God, thank you that I'm so awesome and so wonderful. That's what this, I think, points us to. Don't don't go in with speeches and saying how great you are and, God, I'm going to do this and, God, I'm going to do that and saying all these incredible things, trying to impress people. Jesus had really harsh words for the religious people of his day. Matthew 6, he talks a lot about this, how they would fast to be seen. They would pray to be seen. They would give to be seen. That's the kind of thing he's talking about here. He's saying, no, Solomon says, no, go, go listening. Don't be making speeches and trying to be seen by people and impress people. Just go, go to learn. Go humbly before God. So my question for you is, is what does that look like, approaching God in humility? There's some kind of habits, practices that Christians over the centuries have practiced that I think are kind of falling out in our our 24-7 culture. And and one of those habits is preparing yourself and ordering your week around worshiping God. 